Welcome to the ABR podcast, where some of Australian Book Review's contributors read their articles or discuss them with ABR staff. My name is Peter Rose and I'm the editor of ABR. If you enjoy these podcasts, think about subscribing to the magazine. Those 25 and under can do so for as little as $25 for the online version or just $60 for print plus online. In this week's ABR podcast, Tony Hughes-Darth, Chair of Australian Literature at the University of Western Australia, reviews Alexis Wright's new novel, Praiseworthy. At 736 pages, Praiseworthy is an epic to match Wright's 2006 novel, Carpentaria, and 2017 collective biography, Tracker. Expectations are high. After all, Wright is the only author to have won both the Miles Franklin Award and the Stella Prize. Praiseworthy, Hugh Starth argues, is a book unlike any other. Grounded in an Indigenous cosmology, combining realism with absurdism, it takes aim at its one true enemy, assimilation. Here is Tony Hugh Starth with The Question of the Future, Alexis Wright's expansive new work from the April issue of ABR. An ochre-coloured haze has gathered permanently over the town of Praiseworthy, somewhere in the Gulf Country. It is composed of dust, soot, broken butterfly wings, memories and grief, and it isn't going anywhere. Meanwhile, on the ground, thousands of feral donkeys are being corralled into the town cemetery by an Indigenous leader called Cause Man Steel. Most call this man Planet because he's always banging on about the collapse of the planet. The donkeys are causes scheme to secure his people's future when the world goes to ruin. When the planet collapses, there would, he reasoned, be a worldwide demand for donkeys. The millions of donkeys that flourish in Australia's tropical savannas and that will work through any hardship would become once again the transport system of peoples far and wide. Cause's long-suffering wife, Dance, is at her wit's end. The cemetery is on her native tidal land, and so the people blame her for the invasion of feral donkeys, and anyway, causes her husband. When it all gets too much, she goes out to the plains and talks to the myriad butterflies that do what they always do. Somewhere else, the spirits watch on and bide their time. This is just another day for them, and they work to their own schedule. This is the scenario that comes tumbling into view in Alexis Wright's latest monumental novel, Praiseworthy. It is a worthy, will not say praiseworthy, successor to her earlier epics, Carpenteria and the Swan Book. It also works as a complement to her choral biography, Tracker, which told the story of Tracker Tilmouth through multiple voices. Indeed, the donkey scheme in Praiseworthy alludes to one of Tilmouth's more creative projects, which was to sell camels to the Middle East. The wild superfluity of Tracker's shimmering personality seems beautifully evoked in the Baroque contours of Cause Man Steel, the hero of Praiseworthy. What unites Tracker and Praiseworthy is an irreverent reverence towards the audacity of their heroes. Both Tracker and Cause were royal pains in the arse, and that was their whole point. You could argue yourself blue in the face, and they would always win, even if they ended up seemingly saying what you said to begin with. Their magic lay in the fact that when they won, you didn't lose. You might end up wondering what the hell you're going to do with all these donkeys. That was always a distraction. 
There is only one true enemy in Praiseworthy and Tracker, and that is assimilation. If you think you know what assimilation is, you should read Praiseworthy and think again. In the world of rights fiction, we see the many faces of assimilation. The anatomization of assimilation is also central to the literary projects of Kim Scott, Alison Whitaker, and Evelyn Aralun. Within Indigenous critique, assimilation occupies the position that capital has in Marxism. Assimilation exists as a permanent demand that hystericizes settler society as much as it sends Indigenous Australians scurrying this way and that. In its most innocuous guise, assimilation is simply what is socially good, what is praiseworthy. In that sense, being good is assimilation, but half the time, being bad is also assimilation. More fundamentally, for Wright, assimilation is the question of the future, futurity as such. This is why the question of assimilation directly connects to climate change and environmental destruction in Wright's work. The real question in assimilation is always, what time are we in? One comes out of Wright's novel with one's basic temporality wobbling on its pegs. In the town of Praiseworthy, there is an anemic, enterprising, indigenous major mayor who is the most immediate face of contemporary assimilation. He works hand-in-hand with the Australian government to develop a better future, close the gap, deliver outcomes, and so on. He becomes so white and translucent that he's called Major Mayor Icepick. In the mythology of the novel, he had been a regular Indigenous person, but had sucked in too much of the hovering grief haze that he forgot who he was and became a white ghost instead. While the novel is scathing about the contortions and doublespeak, if you have read any of Wright's work, you'll realise that there's plenty of derision to go around. The town folk of Praiseworthy are certainly not the repository of any conventional form of wisdom, though they are deft at coining nicknames. They are by turns recalcitrant naysayers, self-interested busybodies, and gullible hypocrites ready to join the latest evangelical megachurch. There are many would-be prophets and messianic figures in Wright's work, but they always end up looking faintly ridiculous or pitiable, In Praiseworthy, the donkeys evoke both Jesus Christ and Sancho Panza. Indeed, the relationship of the narrator to the hero is essentially the relationship of Sancho to Don Quixote. One of the joys of reading right is the wry exasperation that permeates the narrator's voice. Praiseworthy's narration is a sustained rant that calls to mind the work of Thomas Bernhardt or the quiet rage of Dostoevsky. But as with the work of these great writers, there is always a gleam in the novel's eye that causes the story to hover between tragedy and farce. This undecidability is the symptom of the scale of the novel's address. Wright is that rare thing in Australian writing, a writer of political reality. His subject is Indigenous political reality, and it comes from her own lived experience of decades doing what Alison Whitaker calls black work. At this level, there is no real distinction between Wright's fiction and non-fiction. But what a fiction does is enter the dramatic domain of allegory. That single figures, cause man steel and praiseworthy, or oblivia ethylene in the swamp book, are made to carry the weight of epical historical forces, is at the same time preposterous and sublime. But Wright's novels continually draw us back from these two impasses. Against absurdity and the numinous, Right interposes reality. Obviously, this is not the workaday realism 
claims to speak for everyday life in the Western tradition, but a fundamental political reality that only allegory seems to name. What Wright does is to dramatically expand the political domain by grounding it in Indigenous cosmology. The animistic imminence of Indigenous country emerges in Wright's writing as the ground of politics. It remembers, it knows, and it bides its time. Yet along with the expansion of political franchise into realms that Western secularism brackets off as metaphysical, there is also the curious fact that the spirits in Wright's novels are often rather indifferent. They sometimes scratch their heads at the latest human folly, but little seems to shake their equanimity. You get the feeling they have better things to do than look after needy humans. At the other end, in Praiseworthy, you find the whole of Indigenous political reality is made to balance on the fulcrum of an acrimonious marriage. What is dance meant to do with cause? Here is the welding point in the whole allegory where the epic contest of forces finds itself wedged into the painful silence of two people who can no longer talk to each other. The dance has married cause seems to speak to a primary dimension of Indigenous being. Indeed, the relationship of dance to causation was the animating question in Kim Scott's novel That Dead Man Dance. In Wright's Praiseworthy, we see this dialectic enacted again. Praiseworthy blew me away. If one wants to feel the grit of Indigenous sovereignty, or to see it working in its most unassimilable and joyously maddening forms, then Wright's new novel offers that possibility. It is a novel that runs rings around the mincing discourses of reconciliation. It seems to casually hold the whole universe in the teasing circularity of its incantations. The novel also introduces an inflection point in the political basis of the Australian polity by proposing a new ethics founded on the refusal of assimilation. This is what Hegel called the negation of a negation, insofar as assimilation negates Indigenous life. And, as in Hegel, in right, the negation of a negation is not nothing. From the denial of assimilation's denial, Wright's novel spins a precious filament of hope that persistently tugs survival into sovereignty. Thanks for listening to the Australian Book Review podcast. Join us again next week. If you enjoyed this episode, why not consider subscribing to ABR? Subscriptions start from just $10 a month for full digital access. Visit our website for more information. We'd like to thank Stacey Chan, who edits the podcast, as well as our contributors who take the time to read their articles and creative writing. And if you enjoy listening to the ABR podcast, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes.